The following is a Westminster Seminary, California morning devotion by the Reverend Chuck Tedrick, Dean of Students at Westminster Seminary, California. For more information about this chapel message or about Westminster Seminary, California, visit wscal.edu or call 888-480-8474, wscal.edu or call 888-480-8474. Well, good morning, friends. I'm glad that you are here and able to join us this morning. You know, today is... uh, election day here in the United States and I was talking to one of the elders from the church that I used to serve and I was asking him what he thought might happen not necessarily what he wanted to happen and he said a really interesting phrase he said I wouldn't be I won't be surprised no matter what happens and I thought that's really interesting that we could live in a time when one of the two candidates could win by a landslide it could be razor thin and we couldn't know by the end of the night or it could be months and that none of those things would surprise us. Uh, We're living in difficult and different times and I know that many in our community are hoping for one outcome or another or that somehow a third choice will come in (laughs) at the last hour and people are going to be glad or mad or sad tomorrow. Uh, even in our own community, even if they aren't already today. And so I thought it might be nice for us to focus in our series on prayer, on a prayer that Paul has for the church, for the community, for the people of God. You know, it's an honor to serve here as dean, and I was going through our directory of students, and I counted 15 different countries that are represented in our student body. Mexico, Japan, South Korea, Canada, Lesotho, China, South Africa, Turkey, Zambia, Taiwan, Vietnam, the Philippines, Singapore, Brazil, and Germany. That's amazing. That's within a stone's throw. If all of the students were able to be here this morning, we would all be here. 15, 16, 17 different countries represented. And that's quite remarkable about what the Lord has done and is continuing to do. And so I'd like to look at Paul's prayer, if you'll turn in Ephesians 3 to, uh, in turning God's word to Ephesians 3. This is the Apostle Paul's prayer for a church that he loved, for a church that he served, for a church that he planted. He loves them and they love him. And so here we see that Paul's prayer is a prayer for God's whole family, which is the church. It's a prayer for God's eternal love, which is God's grace, and a prayer for God's superabundant power, his glory. So it's a prayer for God's whole family, a prayer for God's eternal love, and a prayer for God's superabundant power. And in the midst of the many divisions and things that seek to divide us in the world, this is something that unites us as a community of faith and something for us to rejoice in and celebrate and think upon and maybe even distract ourselves for 20 or 25 minutes this morning amidst all the papers and the tests and the challenges of midterms as well as the election itself and recognize that even all in our community aren't even citizens of the same country that we are. Fifteen different countries represented uh, in our community here. But we all share the same citizenship in heaven. We all share the same national heritage in the sense that we are one holy nation uh, with God. 
uh, and eternally destined to be with him and to rule with him in the new heavens and the new earth. And so Paul prays this prayer, Ephesians 3, starting in verse 14. He says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, According to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. And so here we have this wonderful prayer that Paul is praying for a church that he had planted, a church that he loves, a church that he served, and a church that loves him. And he recognizes, as we look in the book of Acts, that he's probably not got much time left on this celestial ball. But the first point I wanted to bring out is that Paul is praying for God's whole family. He's praying for the church. He's actually resuming an earlier prayer, resuming an earlier thought. He starts off, he says, for this reason. And he's already said for this reason actually two or three times in this letter. And he says for this reason, which is pointing to back where Paul had told them that they, both Jews and Gentiles, are part of the very temple and the dwelling place of God by his spirit. And God's saving work from death and condemnation and Adam to life and righteousness in Christ that he's made a whole new humanity that he, Christ has united us to God but he has also united us to one another. He's torn down the dividing walls of hostility that turned the stood between us, the separation between us and God but also the separation between people groups as well. And in the church, in the community of God, in the family of God, he's calling people from every nation, every tongue, every tribe, male and female, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free, to one holy people, beloved by him and loved by him and cared for by him and empowered by him to love and to serve as well. Note that the prayer is Trinitarian to the core, isn't it? I bow my knees before the Father, verse 14. He's praying for strength and power through the Holy Spirit. Verse 16, for the purpose that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you may know the love of Christ. It's Trinitarian to the core. The new humanity that's being created is created by the Father in the Son through the Holy Spirit. He says, I bow my knees before the Father. The Father connotes intimacy and dignity and relationship and authority and paternal care. He says, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. And I submit to you that a better translation might be, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. And if you don't think I'm the best person to exegete that, this is out of Dr. Ball's commentary, so take it up with your professor. <laughs> from whom every family in heaven and earth, I'm saying, could be better translated, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. Because it doesn't mean God puts his name on every family indiscriminately, but on his whole family of those who are his, of all of his elect, of all of his children, of all of his chosen ones. 
On this election day, we might want to celebrate the election that happened in eternity past where God set his love and his affection upon us that we would be his now and forever and that there would be nothing in all of creation that would ever be able to separate us from that love. And so here Paul is praying for that whole family in heaven and on earth. In other words, the saints that have already gone to be with him in glory and have already uh, gone uh, to be with him and those who are here on earth, the whole family, whether in heaven or on earth, the whole family of God together, Paul is praying for them. In chapter four, I submit to you, we'll verify this interpretation by talking about our unity. We are one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. Seven ones, wholeness, completion, meant to be a great comfort to us in the challenges of these evil age, this present evil age, of all the ups and downs of society, of all the rises and falls of empires and rulers, of all the challenges of sin or living in a sin-cursed world, to realize that we are named by God, that we are given an identity by God, a relationship, a character, and a destiny. Jew and Gentile, slave and three, free, male and female, barbarian, Scythian, all one. One new humanity in Christ, one family of God. The whole family. Not one will be lost. Not one of Christ's sheep will be lost. The second thing we want to look at is God's eternal love, his grace, if you will. There are three main petitions here, which could take a lot more time to unpack, but I'll just try to briefly address them. He's praying that the whole church, the whole family would be strengthened, that the whole family would be enlightened, and that the whole family would be filled. Strengthened, enlightened, and filled. The first request, he says, that he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. Not the source of our power, our life as Christians is through the Holy Spirit, his spirit. Holy Spirit is often associated with power throughout Scripture, both in creation itself and in the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and even through the miracles that Jesus did. It's most clearly manifested in raising Jesus Christ from the dead. And it's that same Holy Spirit that is given to us, not a different spirit, not a lesser spirit, but the very spirit that hovered over the deep in creation, the very spirit that was with the people of Israel taking them through the Exodus, taking them through the Red Sea, taking them and landing them safely on the side of um, India Canaan. The same Holy Spirit that was with Jesus during all of his miracles is the same Holy Spirit that has been given to us. He lives within us. He dwells within us. He regenerates us. He will never leave us or forsake us either. And his work will be complete. Paul has already said that we are blessed in Christ with every spiritual blessing, not just meaning spiritual in the sense of not material, but spiritual in the sense of they come from the Holy Spirit. Every blessing that we have comes from the Father in the Son through the Holy Spirit. It's meant to be a great comfort to us. We have been called. We have been reborn. We have been regenerated. We've been given the gift of faith. We have been justified. We have been adopted. We are being sanctified. We are being preserved and we are destined and bound for glory. Paul has already prayed for them that they might know God's power for them. But here he's praying that they might know his power within them. 
that they that we might be strengthened with power through his spirit in our inner being. The fullness, the wholeness of who we are as human beings. He's not just praying for external strength for a short time like Samson to be able to do one mighty act, but for a lifetime. A lifetime of love, a lifetime of faithfulness, a lifetime of service, a lifetime of believing. We have been regenerated by that Holy Spirit. We have been raised to new life by that Holy Spirit. We are seated with Christ in the heavenly places already by that Holy Spirit. And we are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. It gets easy for us to say that, brothers and sisters, but think about that for a minute. You are indwelt by the third person of the Holy Trinity. And it's a permanent dwelling. He doesn't come and go. He doesn't come and then say, well, Chuck's a little bit more messed up than I thought. Too big of a project. I'm out of here. He's in. And we are in the Spirit. We were in Adam. We are now in Christ. We were in the flesh. We are now in the Spirit forever. And the Holy Spirit will accomplish the work that the Lord has sent for him to accomplish. The second request is that you maybe have the strength to comprehend, to grasp what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge with all the saints. To grasp and to know intimately and personally the love of Christ. He's heaping up words with every dimension, even dimensions that are hard to think of, breadth and length and height and depth, fullness, wholeness, completeness. There's nothing left out of that. He wants us to know the love of Christ. Take hold of the inexhaustible riches and beauty and glory of what it means to belong to Christ, to be crucified with him and raised with him and indwelt by him and his Holy Spirit. Dr. Baugh in his excellent commentary said that you may be able to grasp and likewise to know things which are not yours through discovery or through exploration or through speculation, but from revelation, spiritual things are spiritually discerned. And these are given to you through the word. These are given to you through the spirit. You would never know just by examining the universe and all of its wonder and all of its beauty and all of its splendor of creation. You would never know that outside of Center City, Jerusalem, a little over 2,000 years ago, that the Son of God was born of a virgin, and then he suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, buried, and three days later rose again, and that everyone who believes on him will have life. That has to be told to you. And not only does that have to be told to you, but you have to believe that and embrace that. And that is a gift from the Father in the Son through the Holy Spirit inexhaustible riches of what it means to know that Christ loves you. There's a theologian who was one of the most erudite theologians that we know that was asked, what is the most profound thought that you've ever run across? And he said, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. That's inexhaustible to think about. Friends, there are a million things going on in your life right now as students. There are a million things going on in the world right now. 
Can I just take a minute and remind you as a brother in Christ, as a dean of students, that Jesus loves you. That's remarkable. And he loves you so much that he came to pay the penalty for all of our sin and to live a life of perfect righteousness in our stead and to secure for for us an eternal future where all the things that trouble us now will never touch us again. Beloved, we are destined for a world where there is no more racism, where there is no more sexism, where there is no more hatred, where there is no more division or dissension or gossip or slander or any of these things that are so awful about living in a sin-cursed world. Because the Jesus that loves you has conquered sin, he has conquered death, and he has conquered Satan, and is at the right hand of the Father interceding for you, having gone to prepare a place for you. Paul's third request for the church is the whole family would be that you would be filled with all the fullness of God. I think I might have to save that for another chapel. (laughs) Filled to the rim. Filling us to the full measure of God's presence and God's glory and God's power. If you asked an old covenant saint, where does the fullness of God dwell? Most likely, they would say in the temple or in the tabernacle. If you ask a New Testament saint, (laughs) New Covenant saint, where does the presence of God dwell? In you, in the church, in us, in his people. He dwells within us. He's not an external God far from us, but he dwells within us. It's remarkable to think that the third person of the Holy Trinity dwells within us and unites us to the Lord and unites us to one another. And finally, let's think about the superabundant power of the Lord. I was always struck by this prayer as a pastor. I prayed this over and over for our congregation. I prayed this in almost every counseling session that I had with somebody because I'm undone by these two sentences. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church, And in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Who are we praying to? Who is Paul praying to when he makes this request? To him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think. I don't think I'm the greatest brain. I don't even think I'm the greatest brain in this room. But I can think a lot. He can do far more abundantly than all I ask, but all I think. Sinclair Ferguson, in his commentary on this passage, notes a progression. He can do more than we ask. He can do, I'm sorry, he can do all that we ask. He can do all that we ask or think. He can do more than we ask or think. He can do more abundantly than all we ask or think. He can do far more abundantly than all we ask or think. 
This is the God who loves us. This is the God whom we worship. This is the God whom we serve. This is the God who is calling us and equipping us to do that which he's called us to do in his church and in his world. Certainly, it's easy for us in some sense to say that God is almighty. But we also want to recognize that he is good. And he is our father. He's not just the almighty God who created the universe. He is our father and he loves us. He's able to do all things because he is almighty. He is willing to do all things because he's our father and he loves us. Abundantly more than all we ask or think. Is anything too hard for the Lord? There are 15 nationalities represented at this school right now. That's the answers to all kinds of prayers. All gathered here in a little community in Southern California to learn the word of the Lord, to study together, to live in community, to care for one another, love one another, serve one another, learn more about the Lord and his word, and then go out to wherever the Lord sends us to Proclaim those things or teach those things or embrace those things or share those things, whatever he has for us? Are we too pious to ask God for big things? Are we too timid to ask God for big things because he hasn't delivered on certain things that we've asked? The Apostle Paul is not too timid. He's praying to the one who can do far more abundantly than all we ask or think. He is able It's important for us to remember that in the lulls of our life, in the difficulties and challenges of our life. Sometimes, have you ever been like me where you've wondered, how can God possibly use this for good or turn this for good? I don't see how. Well, that's where Chuck's thinking runs out, but I pray to a God who can do far more abundantly than all I ask or think. He's involved. (laughs) He cares, he sees, he's present. Sinclair Ferguson said, our prayers cannot stretch the limit of what God is able to do. Peter O'Brien said, it is impossible to ask for too much since the Father's giving exceeds the capacity of even our imagining. We're praying to the superabundantly powerful, present, self-giving God and his glory belongs to his Christ and to his church. There's a permanence to the glory here. It says, throughout all generations, forever and ever, amen. I don't know how long the United States is going to go on. I don't know how long Mexico, Japan, South Korea, Canada, Losotho, Losotho, sorry, China, South Africa, Turkey, Zambia, Taiwan, Vietnam, the Philippines, Singapore, Brazil, or Germany are going to go on either. Those kingdoms will come and go. But beloved, your citizenship is in heaven. And your king is already in heaven, ruling and reigning. And he's ruling and reigning on your behalf. And he's gone to prepare a place for you. And he's got you. And he's freed you to go to Mexico, Japan, South Korea, Canada, Lesotho, China, South Africa, Turkey, Zambia, Taiwan, Vietnam, Philippines, Singapore, Brazil, and Germany. And live and love and serve your neighbors through your vocation or through a special calling that the Lord may have on your life as well. You're free to do that. 
You're called to do those things, empowered to do those things, gifted to do those things because of his purposes for his people and for his church. Not one of them will be lost. It's a remarkable prayer to think about. It's a remarkable God to whom the prayer calls upon. And so let me close us by praying the prayer. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family, the whole family, in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the height and the length and the depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And now to you, O Lord, who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to your power at work within us, to you belongs glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. And all God's children said. Copyright 2020, Westminster Seminary, California. All rights reserved. You are permitted to reproduce and distribute this material in any format, provided that you do not alter the wording in any way and that you do not charge a fee beyond the cost of reproduction. For web posting, a link to this document on our website is preferred.